Welcome to the She Runs It podcast, where we help women succeed in business and life. I'm Nicole DeBoom. And I'm Sarah Ratcliffe. We're two successful entrepreneurs who own and run multiple seven-figure businesses. We came together when Nicole wanted to sell her business, Skirt Sports. Through the acquisition process, we genuinely connected, and then we quickly realized the power of combining our business talent, and together, we make the perfect team. Nicole's an amazing visionary, a community builder, and she excels at creating successful business models. If you're ready to start and conceptualize a business, Nicole is here for you. And Sarah is an amazing strategist who kicks ass in massive revenue growth and building successful systems. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, Sarah will help you do that and more. We believe that business is fun and empowering, and we're on a mission to inspire, connect, and advocate for other women just like you to succeed in business and life. Now let's get started. Sarah, hello. Hi, Nicole. I'm so excited for another episode of the She Runs podcast. I love how you always open it by saying the whole name of the podcast, even though we have an intro. It is because it's so awesome that we're doing this. And you know, what's cool is today we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which is ideas. And I have to tell Sarah, when I was running skirt back in the day, I would literally show up at a marketing meeting and there'd be like five or six people sitting around the table. And I go, you guys, you guys, I have an idea. And they would literally, it was the simultaneous, like collective, almost like, oh no, (laughs) another idea of like this, like excitement, but also fear at the same time. (laughs) I tell you, I have a reputation for ideas. And um, what's going to be fun today is we're going to kind of dissect this whole process of having ideas and how valid are they of moving them forward. But yeah, so you're talking to the idea master sister. Yes, you are. Well, and there's something so fun about that creativity, right? Like the inception phase of an idea, right? Where you don't have to do any work to show if it's good. You don't have to really test to see if it's like going to work, but like there's something beautiful and delicious about an idea of, oh, well, I could do this or I could, you know, do that. It's like, you can kind of almost hold it in your hands and be like, oh, the future could be so bright if this one idea came to fruition. Right. It's like, it's just, well, it's like, it's like having a baby, right? Oh, this baby is so cute. It's beautiful. I made it. And then it's like, what? and then feed me. And I poop my pants and you're like, oh, rat. <laughs> Literally. Can I, put, can I put the idea back? in the box. Does it go back away? Oh my God. You know, most ideas don't ever make it out of our brains, but you know, we all have ideas all the time. We are all living in a world of ideas. Some of them are worthy of being pursued. Some of them will actually make it to the light of day, but the trick is to figure out which ones, which ones do we actually take forward? Exactly. Well, and, and it could be an idea for a brand new business, right? So as big as, Hey, I'm going to, I've got this amazing idea. 
I'm going to start a business or it could be, I'm already working, you know, within my business and I need a new product, a new idea, um, a new something, you know, um, I want to try it out. I mean, there's a number of ways, um, that you can, you kind of need to figure out is my idea any good, you know, should I pursue this, this idea, you know, and I, I don't think we have ideas all the time. Right. Um, and you could ask yourself the question, how do I know if my idea is any good? And I think it's less about, is my idea any good? Because all ideas really are good. Um, if you're going to monetize an idea, if you're going to take a, a, an idea to market or build a business off of an idea, the real question is, can this idea find a market? Can I take this idea to market, build a product and make it valid? It's not really whether it's about good or bad. I mean, there are a number of products you could probably look at and be like, that's not a great idea. I've seen a number of them on Shark Tank, (laughs) yet they're highly profitable, you know, because somebody actually needed like, I don't know, a toilet seat that a cat could flush or something like There are, think about all the ideas that are out there that have become products or businesses. So, um, so Nicole, you have some really good notes here on kind of, and being the idea woman, um, you know, how do you test out an idea that comes Um, to fruition? It's really interesting because there, to me, there's a couple different kinds of ideas. There's spontaneous ideas that come when you're least expecting them. And sometimes those are the most magical. And then there's ideas that you need to come up with to solve something that's going on in your business or your life. But we're talking business for this podcast. So I will say I'm going to start first with my first and really big shining example of a spontaneous idea was when the idea for skirt sports came into my brain. And I will tell you, and I have said this many times in many mediums over the years, my best ideas always come when my body is in movement, because that is when my brain finally frees itself from all the crap that's clogging it down, clogging it down. You know, like one of the one of the ways to kill an idea before it will ever come is to try too hard to have one. Right. I agree. You know, and Nicole, I, I, I want to put that out there that mine, mine do as well. So if I need to solve a problem, I go for a walk. I need to be in nature and I just need to be in motion. And, you know, it's not just you and I, I've actually heard that from so many people, so many people that, you know, the movement of their body is huge. So if you're looking to generate an idea or need to solve something, you know, and many of you listening already are athletes or love, you know, to keep your body moving, do it, facilitate it. You need to solve a problem, go for a walk, go for a run, go for whatever it is. And I can almost guarantee you doesn't have to be an hour, you know, 20 minutes, you know, and and your brain can really start, start moving. Well, and, and what can happen when you're out there, I, I, I can't tell you how many probably great and bad ideas we're left out on the trails because I forgot them by the time I came in. Mm-hmm. 
So back mm-hmm. in the day before phones, Tim bought me a little like audio recorder. So I would just stop and like, and then I had this idea for the, and I, you could barely understand what I was saying, but I was like getting it out. But at, if you have nothing, you don't want to even record a voice memo or anything. I just, in my mind said, just remember three things from this run or this walk or this hike or this bike ride or whatever, just three things. You can always remember three things. And when you finish, you'll be like, oh, what were those three things? Oh, those. Then you can come home and dissect yeah. them. Yeah. And I think it's so great just to let your mind, your mind wonder. You know, I took my, my son asked me the other day, actually it was just yesterday. He said, mom, can you see two things at once? And I was like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, can you see something with your eyes and can you see it in your brain? And I was like, actually, yeah, I can. Um, he's like, that's called your mind's eye. And I'm like, I don't know if he watched that on some YouTube video. I don't know if that's real or not, but I was talking to him. He's, he likes to watch like super geeky stuff on there. But I said, isn't it fun just to let your mind wander like and just kind of jump up in there and daydream and let it go all over the place and just see what comes out you know isn't it fun to do that and you're right everything you come up with doesn't have to be used um but it is nice to create um something that allows for creativity you know and then and then kind of extracting the top three things and then um you know, seeing what, what comes from that. So, yeah. um, No, I love that. And you know, if you're, if you're at a point where you're many people listening, maybe at a point in their life when something needs to change, but you don't know what it is very likely it could be your job, right? You're just not quite happy. You're feeling like the seeds of change have planted and they're coming up and you don't know what they're going to be, but you're open. That is when the ideas that are magic and gold will start to come. You may have had these ideas, same idea five years before, but it won't hit, it won't feel right. So when my idea for skirt sports hit in gosh, late 2003, I was on a training run and my conflict was that I didn't like how I looked and felt when I was out training and racing. And I attributed that to what I was wearing. And I thought if I was wearing something that actually fit my body and felt good and was colorful, not just black, maybe I might perform better. And so when I was on a training run and I saw my reflection and this boyish look greeted me and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I want to be. I just want to feel pretty. My idea came simply from that word pretty. Pretty was like the intersection of what Sarah, what you were just talking about, like your passion, your mind's eye. It's like your brain and your eyes, were, everything was meeting in the, in the same space, my heart and my brain, my passion and my expertise. Like it was just all coming together at once. And when I came home that day, I felt something different. There was something very powerful about my emotional state that day and what that idea did. I can guarantee there were many other days when I saw my reflection, I didn't like how it looked, but I wasn't ready to do something about it. And that day I was. So I think the number one thing when you have an idea and you've struck gold, whether you've been trying to come across this idea or it's spontaneous is that it has a very strong emotional impact. 
What do you think, Sarah? So I, I love it. As you're telling your story, I was thinking back, you know, it seems like so long, it was only five years ago for me now where I had a similar experience of, I was just sort of discontented, right? I was like, well, what is, you know, what's next for me? What am I going to do? I wasn't quite happy in my career, my, my paths for, um, kind of moving up were, it was clear to me that, that they were limited. Um, but I knew I was worth more. I knew there was more and I was like, what am I going to do? And so I'd been going on these different interviews and checking in with different people. And I was in a pound class. Um, I don't know if you've done a pound class before where they put on like really loud rock music and then give you drums, drumsticks. And then you're like, your workout is like you, you know, you take the drums and you click them over your head and you just get, I mean, it's not like a super intense workout, but it is a good time. It was so much fun. And I was in the middle of this class and I was struck by inspiration. I still think it was like a sign. Um, and it, that actually started the trajectory of like, I was like, wait a second, I could go into business for myself. I could do something on my own. And I originally thought I'd do some kind of consulting. I actually still have the notebook. Like I left, my mom did the class with me and I left that class and I said, mom, I need a piece of paper and I need a pen and I need it now. And I started right. Like that whole class had been so much. It was like the floodgates opened. So just kind of like what you, what you're describing as well. I was like, oh, I know how to do the change. And the interesting thing is the original ideas that I had of like being able to go and consult and, and build this business is not, it's not the same thing I'm doing now. It's not actually what I ended up doing, but it was the change. It was the idea and me being open to the idea that, that started it. So it's just, when you're talking about that, I'm like, Oh wait, I did have a similar experience. Um, and so, which actually is a really great lead in, um, to what I, I, I know we want to talk about a little bit, which is, so one, one thing is, so one, let's say you've got inspiration, right. Or you've been sitting on, on an idea for a while. The question is, is my idea any good, right? And having these ideas that you're passionate about, that you care about, it's scary, right? Cause what if somebody thinks it's stupid? I mean, everybody could think it's stupid. Anybody could think it's stupid. And like, it's like your little baby of an idea that you need to like nurture and protect. And if someone, you know, jabs at once, you could, it could fly away forever. Right. Um, and so I think one thing you can do, first of all, is say it out loud, right? Like say it out loud, write it down. What is this idea? And it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I, I still have my notes from my first idea. They're nothing like what I'm doing now, but it was the germination of an idea, you know, say it out loud, tell yourself, you know, start to believe in it yourself. And then I think the next thing is you share it with people you trust, share this idea uh, for a business, this idea for a career move, this idea for whatever it is, share it with people you trust and not, not people. There are a number of people in your life that you could trust that will still stomp on your idea. idea. Share it with the most, like the people who, will listen. Right. And, and so, cause you need an audience to verbalize your idea because you don't need an audience to say whether your idea is good or bad. 
you need an audience to bounce your idea off of, right? Somebody who's going to be like, cool. And even if they think it's the worst idea they've ever heard, they're not going to say, well, that would never work. That's a stupid idea. They're going to say, well, that's awesome. Tell me more. Can you explain more? Like you almost have, you have to, you have to keep saying the idea out, out loud to allow it to take form and allow it to come to fruition in the way that you, you want it to be. Um, no, Nicole, do you? Oh yeah, no, this is all. Same. Are you agreeing? Absolutely. And I mean, I think the very first step of just saying it out loud by yourself alone is one thing. Some people need to write it down really small on a piece of paper and then write it bigger and then put it in the bathroom. And then finally, Hey, if you don't want to say it out loud to the person, your partner or somebody close to you in your life, hand them a piece of paper with it on it. But you have to eventually be willing to unveil that scary thing. It's, it makes you feel very vulnerable at the moment when your idea finally comes out and becomes a thing in the universe, but it will never become a thing until you put it out in the universe. And I think what you're, you know, that whole sort of domino effect that you just said leads to the final step, which is sharing your idea with people you don't know. And that is the most important step because if you are really open to making this happen, you are going to have to listen to feedback, both good and bad. And, um, and it's, it is going to make you have to really develop a little bit thicker skin. And you know how at the beginning I was like, this is going to have a huge emotional impact. It's going to have to help make you start to detach slightly emotionally from your idea, which could become a business or a business idea or a subset of of a business, whatever. And um, that is going to be also very important for you to be able to productively work on it in the future. Because if you are stuck, feet on the ground, immovable with your idea, emotionally attached to what it originally was, you will never get it anywhere. Don't you think? I agree. I agree completely. Well, and like I said, you know, my original idea for what my business would be is not, I did not expect I was going to buy a business and then acquire multiple, but like, if you had told me five years ago, I would be sitting here, the owner of multiple business and doing a podcast with you, I would have been like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, but that's the great thing about following your ideas it, you never know what's coming. Right. And so, and then I think there's, you know, you had the initial concept of, you know, I want pretty, right. I want to look pretty. I want something that makes me look better and I can, I will perform better, but that you could have just made a skirt and worn it, right. You didn't have to build an entire business, an actual industry and a community, but you did. And so that's where the idea, you know, if you're listening and you are interested in becoming a business owner, you are wanting to create a new product. Like there's a number of ways that you could be listening to this podcast and, and, and our ideas. I mean, um, there's the idea and the idea in, in and of itself is not good or bad per se. It's simply an idea. But if you want to build a business off of your idea, 
then you have to start to take it to market. You have to start to test it. You have to start to figure out because a successful business, unless you have a trust fund and can support a failing business at the end of the day has to be generating revenue and profitable, or at least breaking even, you know, in some way. So what you really have to figure out is can, is my idea something that people will buy and how do I create it? How do I make it a product, take it to market and, and get it to be purchased. And that, you know, I mean, that's the difference, Nicole, between you making one skirt for yourself to compete in as a triathlete versus you wanted to change the world a little bit. And you wanted, you assumed other women probably wanted to feel pretty as well, or like it just didn't exist. And it was a great idea. And so, you know, as you started to build that out, I'm guessing you didn't just go, uh, so 50,000 skirts and try to sell them, right? Did you do some kind of market research? Did you test your idea? Well, the really interesting thing is all those little steps that lead to the beginning of the testing phase is part of the test. Because as you're sharing this idea, you're basically giving an elevator pitch. And if it doesn't make sense, there's your first step. And I will tell you, my new business... Um, ESOP, the basically here's the elevator pitch, right? I started out going, well, I, it's kind of like I'm making these little personal podcasts and it's memory. And people were like, what? I don't get it. And finally, one day I was like, oh, I'm helping people preserve and share the stories of their life. Oh, I get that. Oh yeah. And I'm just doing it by giving you a link and you can listen to this recording. So you have to, once you refine that little message, you're, you're halfway there to the testing. If you're making an actual product, cause there's different kinds of things that people are putting out in the world. It may be a product like a skirt. It may be an event like your events or what you were doing at Disney. Like a race. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like the beautiful summit that we put conference. on last year. Yeah. You know, we had to, we had a lot of testing that went into whether or not that was going to work. Right. And, um, when you don't already have a community, your testing is in a pretty small little arena, right? It's friends and family, anyone who will listen to you, people who will help you out, do some stuff for you for free, whatever. Um, but as you grow, and maybe if you're having an idea within your own business, then you can use the assets you have. So like in getting skirt off the ground, I made a bunch of prototypes hand sewn by a local seamstress, sent them out to random people around the country. So I could see how that fabric I chose, which was basically swimsuit fabric at the time performed in different areas of humidity. Right. But And so as you ask, like, yeah, I didn't jump off the ship with 50,000 units. Um, I was able, you have to find your way, figure out the steps along the way that are doable. So I found a factory that would make 100 or 200 units, which is very hard to do. And that's part of your learning curve, you know, and suddenly you're like, okay, I guess we're going to spend $5,000. We're going to make as many skirts as we can for $5,000 is a huge commitment, right? 
that's what you take to market is whatever your risk level will tolerate. And here's what I say to people when it's financial, just be willing to lose it because there's a really good chance that you will. And if you're willing to lose it and use this as some kind of wonderful learning experience for the next thing you do in your life, then you will be fine coming out the other side, you know, but to your point, more women loved my idea than hated it. So we quickly went from 5,000 to $50,000 and that's still not enough skirts. You know what it takes to actually fill the need. (laughs) But, um, but yes, it's stepping stones and each step of the way, if you have the luxury to step back and go, what worked, what didn't work before you have to pull the next lever, then that's that, in my opinion, that's the best approach to take not always possible in the clothing world because of how seasons overlap and in other industries too, you kind of have to make decisions before you have good information, but, um, but if you can slow it down a little and get get that feedback first, this is your area of expertise, Sarah. This is what you love doing. I'm more impulsive adjusting and adjusting. Yeah. Uh, yes. I love going off the emotional. I think they love it. Let's do it. And you're like, oh, think they love it. That might not really work in my world. Well, but I think I I I understand what you're saying. Yes, I'm maybe more methodical in my approach, but you know, you you created prototypes and sent them out to women. I mean, that to me says you understand, you know, and the importance of, of feedback, right? So you've got to combine feedback, testing, and your gut instinct, right? Which is, okay, do I have enough feedback? Um, have I tested it? You know, wh- where will it go? Um, from here. And I mean, you can look at any business that's out there. I, I listened to a masterclass by um, Sarah Blakely of Spanx, right? She did the same thing. She, You could look at Spanx now and be like, oh, it's a giant corporation. And it was always successful. She started that with $5,000 out of her um, garage while she was selling fax machines during the day. I mean, it, you know, uh, now it's, I'm assuming it's a multi-billion dollar company, started like that Apple computers, you know, it started in somebody's garage, every company, unless it was incepted by, you know, some massive investors, which is not how the majority of companies are built, started small, you know, and, and, and tested. And I think that's the key is you have to give yourself enough runway to start, start small, test and adjust, you know, and, and then, and then figure it out. Um, you don't want to buy $50,000 worth of product and then find that nobody wants it. And then, okay. And now you're out of the game. You want to buy a thousand dollars worth of product or $5,000 worth of product. See if anybody wants it. And if they don't, you still have enough money left to go figure out what they do really want, or you get the feedback, you know, and that, I think that's the thing. It's, it's not whether your idea is good or not. It's, are you willing to test your idea? Are you willing to get the feedback? Are you willing to adjust your product accordingly? Like we had, um, you know, on the Zuma side of things, we do challenges, right? So um, when I acquired the business from from Bray, the founder, she had done a love run challenge. Um, 
and a summer challenge. That's so she had those two challenges. And I was like, well, these are really fun and everyone really likes them. Could we make some more? And so I added a holiday challenge, which out of the gates was super successful. Um, and everyone loved it. Um, but then we did one in this, I, I was like, well, let's do one in the spring. And it had about like five different identities, right? So we did it first. It was a spring clean challenge. It was about kind of eating healthy or clean eating and, and things like that. And honestly, nobody really signed up for it, to be honest. Right. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Well, cause at the time of year, was it too pricey? Did they not like what we were giving with the package? You know, I didn't really know. And I think we tried it again one more year and it still didn't do well. And I was like, well, this needs to, this needs to change. Right. So I was listening to the market because obviously our holiday challenge had done well, 500 or more women had signed up and like, I don't know, 90 people had signed up for the spring clean challenge. I was like, well, maybe they don't care about this. So then we switched it to now it's a fitter, stronger, faster challenge, right? So where we help you get fitter and stronger and faster and kind of prepare for your spring training. So if you're going to, um, or your spring race season, right? So if you're going to run a half or a full or 10 K in the spring, kind of giving you the building blocks of it. But so now that one does well, because we listened to the market, we tested it and it wasn't clean eating is not a bad idea. It just didn't resonate with our community. And so I had to be, I mean, I could have continued to do it, but, but why? Cause nobody really wanted to do that one. So to me, that's just an idea of, of, you know, some products out of the gates are great and others aren't right. I'm assuming you had some skirts that were, oh God, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we know, so many mistakes and this is, this is the, this is the thing you start to get more comfortable taking risk as different ideas come on and putting yourself into the mindset of the market or the person who would be using your product or service. And, but when you have the opportunity to listen to the market. That is truly the key. And I love what you did. You put out maybe a very similar product. I don't know, but the way you framed it was much more engaging and enticing, you know? Right. Well, it's, it's like what you just said. Well, I do many podcasts or I help people preserve the memories of their lives. I mean, it's a very uh-huh. The product itself doesn't always have to be that different, but it's how you, what, what problem are you solving for your marketplace? How are you telling them what it is, you know? And, yeah. and sometimes it could be that it's just, it's not a great product and you should probably not make it anymore, but sometimes it's, you're just not telling the story. Right. And you, and that's where you have to figure out too. Again, it's not whether your idea is good or bad. It's, are, is your mark, is your idea being marketed correctly? Is just, do you have the right spin on it? Is the elevator pitch? And you know what? Sometimes products take longer to succeed. I, you know, when I had, um, taken on Zuma, there was the, the races had not been that great. The participants had not had the best experience. And so they had to rebuild trust in the brand. And so it took, uh, you know, two to five years now for it to get the numbers to get back up and for people to want to run because they had lost confidence in it, you know, in, in the product. 
you know, and then I would imagine for you, Nicole, there was not a market for running skirts. You literally created a market for running skirts. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, sure that took some time. You nailed something too. You said, what problem are, are you solving? And it may be. So I'm not sure who came up with this phrase. Maybe Steve Jobs, like you and I pre-podcast were bantering about, but when you deliver something exactly what they need, exactly when they need it with the whole premise that they didn't know they needed it at all, that's like when the magic comes. And usually you're solving a problem they didn't even know they had, which right. I don't know, maybe that's just opportunist. But um, I, I think back on many of the, uh, you know, I had a point at skirt where I was just like, I need more interesting and fun things to do. Right. So I was, I was uh -huh. generating ideas all the time. And sometimes it was, we need to make an extra like $25,000 this quarter. So I'd be like, what can I come up with? And um, I remember one of our actually really cool ideas that was so crazy and far out there and used a tool that many existing companies didn't use ended up being what we called the gotta go skirt. And what it started with was not a product. It started with me listening to many, many, many women customers telling me that they were having incontinence issues, whether it was exercise induced, like I pee my pants a little when I run or whether it was um, after having babies or all that stuff. That's a problem. But for years, I just sat with it going, I'm so sorry for you. This is before I had a baby. And then I could actually right. commiserate. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I sneezed and I paid all over the place. But like, you know, finally one day I was like, you know, why can't we do something to make these women's lives better? And I was like, why don't we just make a skirt with like a flap? So you could just open it and pee when you have to pee. You could even pee standing up and you could put a pad in the flap. And like, it was this total women-centric product. Men don't even want to talk about it. You mention it and they like put their fingers in their ears. Like, I don't want to hear right. about women peeing their pants, you know, but I knew this was a very real thing. And so when I realized, you know, maybe the product, I don't know how perfect it can be, but maybe we could try this. What we did to test the market was totally a unique thing, but it set the stage for the future. Every year we had this April Fool's email. And uh -huh. that year we said, introducing, I think we called it the trap door skirt at first. Yeah. And women opened that thing. It had the highest open rate than any email we'd ever had. And when we yeah. got to the page, we said, just kidding. Sorry, April fools. And we had a little survey and we were like, ha ha, here's, you know, 10%. But would you actually like this product? Would you buy it? Are you mad at us for making this into like, you know, not making this product? And people were like, yes, I'm mad at you. Yes, I want this product. Don't tease me like this. And we had thousands of women who said they would buy the product at a price point wow. we made up. And um, it gave us the confidence to move it forward. And then to further test the market, there are things like Kickstarter. So we did a Kickstarter and sold mm -hmm six or 700 skirts of this crazy oh, wow. concept, partly because it was crazy. It was like women 
liked it and just wanted to support the fact that we were supporting women and we weren't afraid to talk about things that are uncomfortable. So long-winded thing, but point being coming back to like ideas, whatever, at the end of the day, if you're not solving a problem, it probably doesn't have a business life if there's no problem to solve. The things that you did with Zuma to change them, to make the experience better, they were solving these women's problems because they care about their fitness lives and they're not going to spend a bunch of money on a race where they don't feel good afterward. Absolutely. And then they don't have to use a porta potty anymore and they can just put right. in their got to go skirt. <laughs> Turns out <laughs> FYI, and as you know, because you took over the company, um, that skirt was very hard to manufacture. So uh, yes. <laughs> anatomically, there's a lot of issues going on, but it does no longer exist. However, um, you know, I still think the example of getting to that place of making a decision and moving forward on an idea is a really a cool example. I, I agree completely. And I think people will tell you if what they want. I mean, they, you know, women, especially, you know, if, if there's, if they want it, they'll, they'll tell you. And, and, uh, so I, I, that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? This idea, you had an idea, it was a crazy idea and you tested it. And then you, you know, based on that, I mean, there's a number of times I've tested something and what I thought it was going to be was not, um, I didn't get the response that I thought. And then other times when I was like, oh, they're going to hate this, it, it blew up, you know? So you really don't, that's again, I'm going to say it one more time and then I will leave it on the table. But an idea is not necessarily good or bad. You've got to take the, the idea, take it to your market or your, if you don't have a existing market, you've got to find some kind of research or test and adjust. And again, it doesn't have to be, when I say research, it doesn't have to be a massive survey. Just like you did with, with ASAP Nation, you're bouncing the idea. You elevator, you know, pitch it multiple times. That is research. That's research. You don't need a team of scientists. You don't need some developmental crew. Like you did research and, you know, let's also mention the fact that, um, and you and I just did an episode about this, about don't be afraid to recalibrate. You, you did your research on ASAP nation. You took it to market and you launched your product and, and you said, you guys can book, you know, tell your, the story of your life with me and you'll, it'll be recorded and you can share with loved ones. And then you found though people liked that you also found that people wanted to use your services to market their businesses. And then also to tell very important stories. Um, like right now you're, there's one that's featuring a number of stories about suicide. Is that, am I saying yes. that correctly? Yes. Yeah. And powerful and stories. You're right on. I mean, it's about being open to the pivot, the recalibration, yeah. whatever you call it. And honestly, Sarah, no one knows this better than you right now. You yes. know, I oh, remember, you mean a- <laughs> I remember when we were first brainstorming and I think I still, I'm trying, I'm looking behind me to see if I have my dry race board, but it was like, let's, this is so much bigger than skirt sports and Zuma. And at the time we called it, she runs the world. We were like, we're creating an organ, like a, like an empire. 
And it was called right. She Runs the World. And we're going to have experiences and we're going to have product and we're going to have this business side and we're going to have, eh, and it was just like all of it thrown out there. And that's the fun part of the beginning of the idea brainstorm is when you throw all that spaghetti against the wall. But then the reality of the things that stick are going to be based on, you know, your ability to really listen, to test and adjust, listen, test, adjust, and develop a little bit of that thick skin we talked about, because you won't always hear the feedback you know, that you, you think you want, and that's okay. Don't be so emotionally attached that it makes you rigid and you're just going to find happiness that way. And that's the key. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, sometimes my team will come to me and they'll be like, somebody is so mad at us about blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh my gosh, everyone is so mad that, you know, I don't know we canceled something or that we're not giving the cup. We said we're going to, whatever it is. Um, and then I'll, and then I'll go, Oh, Oh my God, what have we done? What have we done? And then I say, wait a second, how many complaints did we have? (laughs) You know? And they will be like three and I'm like three out of (laughs) 2,500. And yeah, and then, you know, you have to put it in a perspective. And, and again, it, you know, if you're listening and you're also a customer, I don't want it to, I don't want you to think that we don't listen to you because we do. And we want everyone to have an amazing experience, but we also have to run a general business. And when a large majority of people are complaining about something or, and let me relate this to what we're talking about. If a large majority of people are not getting your idea, listen to that. But if three out of 10 people don't like your idea, but the other seven do, you're winning. Just so we're clear, like one naysayer, two naysayers do not make a negative. It Look at the broader picture, keep asking, you know, and if the overwhelming majority is like, mm, I don't know how this is going to work. Just like you, then you either have to adjust what you're doing or um, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it shouldn't be pursued and you should try something different, but, you know, keep in mind feedback, especially when your ideas and that sort of little germination, it, like I said, one naysayer and you're like, Oh my God, this is terrible, but it's not, you know, it's keep asking, keep, keep testing and, and look at the broader, the broader picture and the broader reactions, um, because everyone has different reactions and thoughts. So Love it. Anyways, you know what I think was a good idea, Nicole? Us doing this podcast. Yeah. Bam. So. All right, you guys yeah. should pe- what what are we asking people to to do today in response to the show? Um, I want to know what your idea is. Do you have an idea that you want to pursue? Um and who are the people that you're going to ask about your idea? Because That's in the next in the next episode, we're going to talk about how you pursue that idea, how you turn it into something. All right. Exactly. So share those ideas next, uh, next yeah, time we'll take you through for, the how to. Yes. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We love, we love you all out there and she runs at podcast land.
So see, look, I started with She Runs a Podcast and I ended with She Runs a Podcast. And then I said it four times. Brilliant. We love you girls. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. (laughs) 